reset values and uh, just been thinking about, well, what do we share around value and started thinking about, well, what do I value? And as I started to think about that early in the week and we've just come off the back of Mother's Day, coming into a wedding, which is all about family and all about family and started to think about it and go, you know what, there's not much more that I value than family. And I look around here this morning and I go, I've got my family, but then I've got my family. And I know I've shared from here before about one of the things that gets us the most is when people join and when people leave, because it's like someone joining your family, but then when someone leaves, it's like someone's leaving your family and there's this tension and this angst that's like this awkwardness sadness, there's a grief, there's all sorts of things that come and Pastor Bruce has shared that physical, practical picture before of the Lego block wall and uh, to demonstrate the same as a brick wall, it's like you can't just come over to the brick wall and just pull one out and plug it in somewhere else because it leaves a hole here and then that's got to be fixed and mended and that takes time, you've got to sometimes knock other blocks out to get that one to then repair it and people get damaged when people leave a family, people get damaged when they leave a church family and that's not where I'm going this morning but that's just the reality of it and so thinking about all these different complexities then of what it is to be in a family and uh, I don't know, does anybody here have a perfect family? Because I started, oh Nathan's put his hand up, there we go. (laughs) He's now, now getting the look from Shane. But uh, started started thinking, I missed that and that might be a good thing. But uh, I started thinking about weddings and started to think back to our wedding, which is coming up 15 years ago and which is, yeah, I know we're old. Um, <clears throat> It was evident last night when we took Lachlan and Emily to their accommodation after the reception and we ended up driving near Heinley Street and I drove along and I'm like, they're all so young. <laughs> and Emily, uh, Emma, Emily, Emma, I can't remember which one said it, I think it was you, Emma said to, like, replied, yeah, but that's because you're old and I'm like, no. Oh. But... Uh, yeah, if the shoe fits, just wear it. And, uh, but, but started thinking back to our wedding and all the happiness and the joy and everything that happened at our wedding. And then fast forward, I can't remember the actual timeline of it, but we got a letter from my grandma. And there we go, Tegan, Thanks. I said to Tegan beforehand, I said, I'll probably cry this morning. And she said, is that a warning for me? I said, no, you're probably. Um, But we got a letter from my grandma. And I don't know whether we've shared this before, but it was all along the lines of my grandma had divorced from her husband when my dad was about eight. And uh, they thought all got along fine and had family functions and all of those things. But we got this letter from my grandma because we'd invited them both to the wedding and it was just this awkward moment for her to be in a church and see 
the letter basically said, I couldn't believe it that you were so happy knowing that I was there suffering because it brought back memories for me of what he did and brought back memories for, for me of those times and now these times and there was this like, I don't know, it was like a five-page letter that I don't know if we've still got it somewhere or not, but not really the kind of thing you keep as a um, keepsake. But there's just this tearing of family ties and relations that on what's meant to be and was in many ways the most joy-filled day of my life and our life was also then this little barb that then every family function after that when grandma isn't there is just this little thing in the back of my head that just pops up every now and then. Every time we have a kid's birthday and, well, grandma's not there and she met our boys for the first time at my cousin's engagement party, we didn't think she'd be there because... We knew we were going, but she was there, and um, and so they met her. And there was this, just these moments where it's like it's awkward. There's a tension. There's a stress. There's a love. There's a desire. There's a strain of the heart. There's all these different emotions that go into it. But great is the faithfulness of God to me. And so then fast forward to January this year and we got an invitation to her birthday party, which was just like, okay, weird. And so then suddenly there's all of our family back together for the first time in 15 years, basically. All of us there together in one room celebrating grandma and grandma being so grateful to have all of her family there. But then there's this, well, where's that been? And there's all these then questions that go. And, and my reason for <coughs> sharing that this morning is I've had on my heart a week the story in, Gen- story in Genesis 37 of Joseph. And... Uh, If you are familiar with this story or not, we're going to kind of just skim over it um, because it's a long and in-depth story that we don't have time to read. And so there's not going to be anything up on the screen because I said to Gavin, I'm just going to jump around and um, paraphrase some and skip over some and make a mess of the story probably. But um, So you can keep up if you want, but just have Genesis 37 to 43 ready and see how we go. So, But it starts with... With Joseph has a dream and then he tells his brothers, tells his family and they don't like it and so Joseph ends up being sold by his brothers. A couple of them want to kill him just to get rid of him because he's the pretty boy of the family, daddy's boy, no one wants him around and so they're like, well, let's just get rid of him. We can say a beast ate him and that's that. And then uh, I kind of... Part of this story makes me laugh. Part of this story makes me want to cry. Part of this story makes me want to rejoice. It's got kind of everything in it. But I I love this line, this line in the script, um, this verse in the Bible. It could also be referred to as something like that. But 
in Genesis 37, 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him and get something out of it. Right there is a moment when there's just a little, little tiny slither of light at the end of the tunnel. Because Joseph's life is about to be ended. But right there, there's just this the tiniest little gap has just been opened in the door. And that they spare his life. And so they sell him. And then he goes, Joseph goes through this kind of journey of um, rising up and then having a little fall and then rising up and then having a little fall and goes through a couple of ordeals in prison and has some more dreams and um, ends up getting to the place over in Genesis 44 where famines hit the land and his brother's have got nothing left, and so their dad sends them to where Joseph is the boss. And Joseph recognises them, but they don't recognise him, and so there's this evil brother come out in Joseph, like, yes, I've got you. But there's the playful brother in him that says, but I'm going to have a bit of fun with it. And then there's the, I've missed you side of Joseph comes out that says, I want to reunite. And so in chapter 44 at the start, now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house so that the brothers have come to get grain, get food, get supplies to take back because the land's been in famine and there's nothing left for them to have. And so Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house, fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the, uh, sorry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest son's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned and the men were sent on their way with their donkeys, they had not gone far from the city, and Joseph said to his steward, go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for, what have we got? Divination. This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? And so Joseph's having a little bit of fun with them. But in his heart, he's still got this dream from right back at the start of the story where he sees his whole family bowing down before him. And so he's got this picture. They've probably forgotten it because it's years later. But he's just working a way to get into their world. He's working a way to connect. 
He's working away, working an angle, doing what he can do in a tough circumstance to just open the door, to bring a reunion, to bring an opportunity to speak hope, to bring an opportunity to reunite. And so then they come back and there's a bit of toing and froing and then Joseph eventually makes himself known in chapter 45 and Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. How incredible is that? So there's this whole story plays out. And Joseph could have, I think rightly so, been quite payback time. I'm going to get you guys. Especially you and you who made the decision to sell me. But, but he doesn't. He's got this bigger picture from God that says, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, or for you, a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And so my heart this morning, as I've read this story and just been chewing on it throughout the week, is I want to see that slither of hope. I don't know about you, but there's, there's been moments over the last 15 years where I wasn't sure that my kids would ever meet their grandma or great-grandma. She is to them, my grandma. There was moments when I thought, it's just not going to happen. And there was messages and she would ring and she would offer to pay for things for them and she would offer to do things and send money in. And my response was, Grandma, I'd rather you have a relationship with your grandkids than take their money, than me take your money to pay for stuff for them. So I declined the financial investment into their world and into my world from her because I said, I'm not interested I'm happy to bring them down and meet you at a cafe, at a playground, and then I'll take your money. Um, I love taking, money. <laughs> love taking money from people. Don't get me wrong, but relationship is more important to me between them and you, between me and you, than what some form of financial blessing may be. Yeah. And that was hard because when she was offering, it was larger sums of money that would have been helpful and they would have done things that we didn't do, but it was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going there. And they're the same, not wanting to draw a parallel between me and Joseph, but as I'm reading this, I'm going, there's, there's this slither of hope. There's this bigger picture in this story. There's this bigger picture that is, what does Joseph value? Joseph valued his family to the point where he could have got paid back. I'm sure he wanted to get paid back for years, but he didn't because he saw the bigger picture, because he was focused on the dream, he was focused on the vision that God gave him, and he said, no, we're going to be reunited. And he brought it about, you could say, sneakily, by 
slipping the cup in. But my heart and my prayer this morning for us is that what's the opportunity that we've got? If every person in this room this morning, other than Nathan Cox, every person here is living in a not perfect family. So we've all got something, we've all got something that we can hope for, right? We've all got someone in our family that we're disconnected from. We've all got somebody in our family that that we wish was sitting here alongside of us this morning at church. We've all got somebody that we're going, I value that person so much, we just butt heads when we talk. We're fine, we can talk about sport, we can talk about weather, we can talk about holidays, we can talk about politics, we can talk about family, we can talk about everything, but as soon as I mention the word church, conversation shut down. We've all got those people in our families. We've all got those people in our lives that might not be a family member, it might be a close friend, it might be a next door neighbour. My heart this morning as we reset our values My heart this morning is that we reset the way that we look at those problems and start looking at the opportunities. Start looking at the slither of hope. Start looking at just that little tiny crack in the door. I wasn't dead, but I was sold into slavery. That's a good day. There's now an opportunity for me to step into a future that can bring a reunion, that can bring restoration, that can bring hope back into my family. Oh, hang on, I've been thrown into prison. All right, well, now we can look at it as an opportunity to just, life sucks. Or we can look at it as, all right, now I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to start to speak to different people. I'm going to start to just share my heart with those around me. I'm going to work with who I've got around me, and it's going to bring change to a greater population. What is it? that you're facing this morning? What is it that I'm facing this morning? And what can we do in our circumstance to bring change? What is it that you can do in your current life, in the thing that's at the moment going on in your head, the person that you're picturing, the the people that you're looking at inside your mind right now? Whoa, they're too hard. That's not going to happen. I'll never see my brother in church. It's like, oh, mum and dad came once. They came twice. They came three times. That's it. Where is it at? What is it? Does it just... It just means we give up. What are you, who are you thinking about this morning? Not what, who are you thinking about this morning? Let's reset our minds. Let's reset our hearts from a place of there's no hope. Let's reset to a place of there's hope. Let's reset to a place of so great is our God and his gratefulness to me. Let's reset our hearts to a place of what you thought was going to be for bad. God's turned into good. 
what I, what I thought I'd stuffed up in that moment, what I thought I'd overstepped the line and created a chasm too far that wasn't going to be able to be breached. No, God's, God's got it. God's able to work things in and around every moment of our lives to bring an opportunity to speak hope, to bring an opportunity for us to pray, to bring an opportunity for us to share his goodness, to bring an opportunity for us to just bless someone, to just be kind, to just open the door and say, hey, welcome, welcome to my home. It's been five years, it's been 10 years, it's been a long time, but come, sit, eat. Let's just enjoy each other's company. I don't know what needs to happen in your circumstance. To be perfectly honest, I don't know what needs to happen in my circumstance. But I'm believing that I can reset, that God can reset my mind as I value family. God can reset it so that, you know what, I'm not going to give up. You know what, I'm going to continue to believe that it can happen. I'm going to continue to believe that salvation can come to my whole family. Salvation can come to the people I've been connecting with. I'm going to continue to believe that there can be a reunion. I'm going to continue to believe that what was lost can be found again. What was just completely broken can be restored. And God, I pray this morning for every single person in this meeting. God, every person watching and listening online, Father, I pray, God, that we wouldn't leave feeling down. We wouldn't leave feeling like, oh, that's all a bit heavy and hard. But God, we would leave with a fresh sense of, I can do this. With this fresh sense of hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. With a fresh sense of hope of it happened for Joseph, it can happen for me. God, I pray. Father, for every single person on our hearts this morning, for mothers and fathers, for sisters, brothers, sons, daughters, cousins, next-door neighbours, close friends, lost friends, people that we haven't seen for 30 years, people that we haven't seen for five years, people that we had a fight with the last time we spoke and it ended awkwardly. God, I pray that we can reset. God, I pray that we can reset on the inside of our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Father, bring a transformation to each person here this morning. We don't know the inner thinking of Joseph throughout this time. His deepest, innermost thoughts. We don't know whether they were of despair and hopelessness or whether he just kept upbeat the whole time. I'm going to see my family again. It's going to come. It's going to come. I'm going to see that dream. I'm sure there were good days and bad days like there are for each of us. But God, my prayer this morning is that each one of us 
get to the point where we can look that person, that family, those people in the eye and say, do not be distressed and do not be angry. ahead, whether we understand how or why or when it's going to happen. God, that we can be people that bring change to our families. Holy Spirit, reset each one of us today. God, reset what we value. God, let us never lose hope. But God, let us look to you, our hope. God, let us look to you to guide us. for part of your family, a friend. Why don't you just put your hands out in front of you this morning. Father, I pray that as we as we just push into you in this moment, God, I pray that you would put in our hands what we need to reset our hearts. God, you'd put in our hands what we need to reset our minds. But God, you'd also put in our hands what we need to reset. The strategy to reset, to to start to bring hope into circumstances, to start to bring change into conversations. God, that that reset might be boldness. God, that reset might be hope. God, that reset might be love. God, that reset might be forgiveness. God, we just speak and declare these things. God, and we thank you that as we reset today, God, as we go home and we implement that reset, God, that we would see in the coming days. God, we would see in the coming weeks. God, we would see our friends and our families coming in to a knowledge and understanding of who you are because we haven't given up hope, God, because we've reset our value to be, I value my family, I'm never giving up. God, I value that person, I'm not giving up. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to speak into their world. I'm going to continue to believe in Jesus' mighty name. And so, God, I pray for salvation, God, in every heart. God, in every person that we're believing for this morning, God, we would see salvation. God, we would see hope come into their hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Father, fill each one of us afresh so that we can go out and do your work. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.